That joint real. And still, even now, rejection yeah. is real. You feel me? <laughs> it was, it was, bro, it was literally at his crib, just pretty much. I was, from my um, perspective, I was just going down the timeline of different shit I went through, like piling on top of each other mm-hmm. and how I felt it affected me and how I reacted from it. Like, it was it was crazy just, like, me listening that off and then going back to how I felt at the time. Mm. It was, like, it was like eye-opening, you know, because it's in my head, but kind of speaking it to Quan's like, dang, like, I really came from that. Like, my mindset, my mindset has changed a lot since then. I feel like it's kind of realizing, like, the list of rejections compared to the list of success once you actually go through it, is like mind-boggling. Oh, like yeah. I, I look at the amount of times I've been rejected, whether it was like football, whether it was like job opportunity, whether it was a female, whether it was a uh, someone I wanted to make my friend. And I'm like, sheesh. <laughs> like, like you know, people hype you up and be like, um, man, you're doing so great. You know, um, you're you're going to do great things in this world and stuff like that. And um, you look at that list of rejection. He's like, oh boy. How do you deal with something like that? And how do you deal with that as you're going through it? You feel me? Um, and that was, that's what we like was kind of like opening up about and things like that. Because it's it's crazy to look back and be like, damn, man. Like, especially like, so the biggest thing for me was coming from Colorado um, after, you know, COVID and NFL and stuff didn't work out. And I was applying for jobs. And I'm like, okay, they told me. Get your bachelor's degree. I got my bachelor's degree, creative industry and management through the media school, which I felt was like, okay, I got a good, I got a good degree. And then they say, everyone loves student athletes because, you know, you're committed to work. You're used to long hours, early days and stuff like that. So I'm sitting here. Okay, bam, it's time for me to get a job. You know, granted, Haley was providing for us that whole entire time because I had, I had no money. I had no income, obviously, because I was training for the NFL. And when that fell through, I kind of got, you know, put on this, left on this island and what, or whatnot and um, was mostly dependent on her, you know, doing what I could, you know, as far as like the other opportunities that was available and things like that. But I was mostly like applying for jobs. I was like, okay, bet. Um, like, for example, I applied to be uh, a car salesman at like a, Sun, a Suncoast, like Dodge Charger Chrysler. And I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to get this. And then they emailed me like like five hours later after I applied. It was like, Ah, uh, thank you for applying, but we went another way. I'm like, okay, that's not what that's not what my coaches told me. <laughs> like, right. That's not what they said. So boom, then I go enterprise. They'll definitely hire me. Next day, we actually went another way. I'm like, okay, all right, what's, what's next? And then um, it just kept going, and like these jobs, I'm like, I should be able to do these. These is like this is like it somewhat matches my degree and. My personable and interpersonal skills, I should say, really align with this job. And, like, I'm not even getting the opportunity to interview. Mm-hmm. Granted, you know, I'm at this time, I'm like, I got this degree. I played college football. Like, I know my resume doesn't have a job, like, a job history that's, you know, super thick. But, you know, I'm like, college football, I, I thought, as I was, you know, um, led to believe, mm-hmm. would cover all of that. And they would at least give me an interview, talk to me and see, you know, whatever it was. But... I found myself not getting to the interview process for like 15 jobs. So it was like two, three months of me just not working, just applying and not even getting an interview until finally, you know, Amazon, I finally got that interview and I was like, yes, but I just really, I really wanted like just going through all those rejections and like kind of being introduced to the real world of not getting everything that you want or not, you know, not being the guy, 
um, I really want to like just dive in on that and, you know, kind of talk about some of the things that we went through, some of the ways that we've been rejected and how we've dealt with, how we've dealt with it, navigated it, um, learned from it and really just how do we continue to prepare ourselves for future rejections? JC, I'm going to let you go. Cause for real, I got to think about a time I've even been rejected. I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm really trying to think while he's talking about it. And even if it, if it has happened, like if I look at something like what happened with Clearwater nutrition, like it not working out for me, I don't necessarily think it, think it was a rejection. I always look at it as a lesson. So I'm just trying to think of like, I got you. I got you. So <laughs> let's get to my list. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get a better little, idea. A little, little short list. So after I got cut, I went to um, my boy, my boy, um, two were at Opal Sands. He was the valet. So I went there. He told me they was hiring um, valet or pool boys. I was like, it don't really matter. Honestly, I'm still trained. I just need some part time. It don't really matter. So I went there, applied, got a call, come in. Mind you, pool boy had three interviews. Mind you, it was um, Opal Sands, so it was like number one um, um, hotel on the beach. So first interview, cool. Second interview, um, the lady was actually like a dancer in college or something like that, so we kind of connected on the um, student-athlete level. Um, came in for the third interview, third interview for a pool boy, mind you. Um, <laughs> so third one, literally, I'm, I'm, I'm actually there early, about 15 minutes early. I'm sitting there just waiting. Um, went to the front. They say, okay, they'll be with you in a minute, sitting there waiting. Legit. I waited there probably about 45 minutes to an hour, just sitting there. And they came back out. I was like, oh, um, they can't take you right now. Blah, blah, saying somebody, somebody's not here. Blah, blah, blah. I left. Okay, cool. So the next day, I called. No answer. The next day, called. No answer. Third day, called. No answer. I was like, okay. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, uh, like, a, like, like, two weeks later, I got, like, a little letter letter in the um in the mail we're gonna go a different route of uh i'm in like hell bro pool boy third interview mind you i got a degree like yeah. <laughs> so at the time i'm just like i'm just like, like damn like, okay i mean i guess i ain't really care about pool boy anyway um and they kind of just skipped to recently recently i applied for usps um didn't even get the interview opportunity kind of just over it going to go a different direction it's kind of like it's kind of you kind of get stuck between like um, what could I have done, like what what could I have changed. But at the end of the day, it's like they didn't give you the opportunity to. So it's like kind of something out of your control. But then I feel like me personally um, wanting to be good at everything, wanting to always thrive is like, man, what could I have done a year ago? What could I have done on my resume? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like little things that probably really don't really matter. Just need to go a different opportunity, a different route. You know. So now I take it as far as um. That wasn't meant for me, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. there's something else, you know, further down that I haven't, like, opened myself up to yet or I haven't yet um, been put in a position to receive because, you know, something on my part. Um, but then, you know, it makes you think back on college. It's like, dang, like, I wish I would have paid attention more or I uh, wish I maybe would have majored in something different or I wish I would have got my master's or I wish I would have done this internship and then you get you get taken down that rabbit hole, like you said, like you get so self-reflective. It's like, what could I have done to at least got an interview? You know, when people meet you, if people get to meet you, put a, you know, put a name to a face, put a resume to a face and, you know, get to 
you know, let you speak, let you have the floor, mm-hmm. that's a whole different ball game. When they just see that resume, they're basically just dismissing a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. You know, you just happen to have put yourself on that paper in the best way that you could. You can see why a lot of people get down about that. You know, you you go, you think you do everything you're supposed to do and you're doing everything that you're supposed to do only to see, like, it's still not enough. Still not enough. You know, you go apply for this job fresh out of college that's paying, let's say, 50K, you know, decent money. Nothing, like, nothing crazy. You're going to pay the bills, going to get you right. You're going to be able to, you know, live a pretty good life or or whatnot, you know, depending on how many people you're providing for. And then it says five to seven years experience. And you're like, oh. Yeah. I just got out of college. I'm 20, 23. <laughs> like, when was I supposed to get this experience? Mm-hmm. I have this degree. I have this and stuff like that. And it just ultimately, when you get the client, your first thought is, I wasn't good enough. The thing that I wish that I knew then is, like, don't think that you're not good enough. Um, figure out a way to reframe that. Figure out a way to take something from it and um, to keep going, to keep applying. Ap- apply to 40 jobs. Apply to 50 jobs. Apply to 100 jobs. Um Continue to learn about yourself so that you're applying for the right jobs. Because at the same time, I look back at some of the jobs that I applied for and I'm like, I, I, I really just applied for this just, you know, on a whim, just hoping that somebody would accept me. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you, you know, you're just fishing for whatever you can get. And of course, it's not going to work. You're always not into it. Your intention's not into it. You're just doing it so that you can feel good about yourself again. And I feel like that's the tricky thing. Like, how do we how can we get rejected, but still feel good and confident about ourselves. Heard something the other day was just like self, your self-esteem, your self-confidence is just like based on the promises you keep to yourself. So like for me, like let's say you said, I'm going to apply for these five jobs and you apply for that one and then you get rejected and you don't keep going forward. It's just like you're going to let you're going to take that personal. You're going to let that affect you. Because you didn't continue to do what you said you was going to do. What happened to two, three, and four, and five? Mm-hmm. So that's something, too, like, not not necessarily rejection, but something that I feel like I could relate to is, like, a loss if I were to lose, right? Um, before my first fight, I'm like, how to get rid of fight nerves. And the dude on the thing has said something along the lines, like, as long as you do everything in preparation to that, it'll ease your mind later. Um, so like not going back to like, dang, I could have did this better. I could have did that better, but just like, yo, I did the best that I could. Um, I did everything I said I was going to do. I didn't miss a practice. Um, I showed up and I gave 110% every time, you know, I went full send every single time I did everything that I could. So if this doesn't turn out the way I want it to, like, cool. I, I could, I could, I could live with that. Cause I did my best. That brings up a whole nother, um, not even a whole nother topic, but a very relatable topic as far as, um, you know, karma, like doing, doing your selfless action, doing your duty, doing, you know, what you are meant here to do, but not necessarily trying to reap the benefits or Mm. don't expect to, you know, um, cherish the fruits from your, from your labor. And I feel like that's, that's big here. Like how over in the West, um, there's a lot of attachment to the outcome of things. You know, we go in, we start doing something because of course, we want to have the outcome that we envision. Nine times out of ten, it's not exactly like that. We don't necessarily get that outcome. And that's what causes people to deteriorate internally. Like, mm-hmm. dang, I envisioned, envisioned it. Um, I journaled about it. I um, said my affirmations. And it still didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. And I feel like that's the problem. That's like 
that's the issue. And that's where we get all, you know, discombobulated is when we, you know, get so intertwined with the outcome and not intertwined with the process of things. I think the most important thing is to realize whatever comes from what we do, it just comes and it'll come naturally how it's supposed to. But I love how you said, you know, I just, I stay very attentive to the process. I pour into the process. I do everything that I can so that even if, quote unquote, it doesn't go the way I wanted it to, I know that I did everything I can. And now that means this loss or this rejection was supposed to be a lesson for me to take from to go into my next process of whatever was next. Um, and it's, I think it's like a mind shift. And I know a lot of people are probably wondering, well, how do I shift from wanting to reap the outcome that I've envisioned to just doing the work, not even thinking or not even worrying about the outcome? I do know it's tough because I feel like sometimes it's not even the outcome. It's kind of like what you plan um, through that process. Like, for example, when I got that sales job and I got um, I got fired from it and um, what I planned like for the future with that job, like based off the income, based off my schedule, I don't know. I don't know if that counts as the outcome, or is that just like the process I thought I would have with the job. And once I carried that on, and once I started to get a game plan, and then that being cut off was like, like dang, like like what's like what what now? You know what I mean? So, like, you tell me is that is that like so, the outcome, or is okay? So now I feel like we're talking about not necessarily the outcome, but you were jumping like super far ahead. Mm. You were planning a a future process. Mm. And I and into that, you know, we say be process oriented, but if you attach yourself to the process as well or to a process that's not right in front of you right now, mm-hmm. it can kind of be the equivalent of the outcome because you're you're um, banking on I get the job and I do everything that that, you know, everything right. I keep my job and this is how the phases go. So in a sense, it is an outcome because in that process, you are planning how you're going to set yourself up financially, mm-hmm. how you're going to. um set your schedule up. So it's kind of futuristic thinking. So it, so kind of going off that, what should I have done, you think? Because like, I feel like planning is normal. Mm-hmm. Should I just like, I think right now my thought process, I'm thinking that's just kind of a part of it. It's just part of the learning journey because I do think you have to plan for it. I think you have to kind of set yourself up, have a game plan, some type of mindset going forward with whatever you have going on. But you tell me what you think. Right now I think I should have just, not should have, but I should I should just accept it for what it was and kind of learn what I can from it, but you, you kind of tell me. No, I mean, I can't tell you what you should have done, mm-hmm. but I can tell you, for me, what I'm learning now is, yes, you do have to have a plan, um, so forth, because I, I love plans. I put them forth all the time and whatever I do, just because, you know, they bring you a sense of confidence and um, just a, a sense of knowing, like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And so the idea for me is, okay, make your plan, make a loose plan. Don't make this... So the structured, very definitive plan that, you know, okay, my job starts at eight, I'm going to wake up at this time. You feel me? You can make a loose plan around that. And I think, don't think too far ahead. I think be present. I think you take one day at a time. I think you, you go in on your first day, you fill it out. It's a new environment or, you know, whatever someone's doing, it's a new environment. You fill it out. And then, you know, you come back, you kind of reflect on that day and you kind of assessed what you, what you got from that. And, how it looks then because we can make plans for all these different things, but we can't, we can't really plan so minutely um, precise about the plan because we, we ultimately, we don't know and we're unaware of the things that could happen within that plan because we haven't experienced it yet. So all we can do 
really is have a plan say, you know, I want to plan for the next 10 years. I want to save this amount of money, you know, boom, boom, boom. You feel me? Okay, that's my plan. So, you know, I'm going on about my life. I'm doing my thing. Um, I'm setting aside a certain percentage of money every, you know, every month. And then, you know, say two years in, I get fired from my job that had kind of, you know, set me up to even have this plan. But, and now I kind of got to cut into those um, savings or whatever, you know, the money that I've been putting aside. Now I got to take that money and then I got to revise my plan. I think just always leaving room open for revision. Don't necessarily, don't get attached to your plan. Don't get attached to something that's doesn't exist yet. You know, if it's in the future, it doesn't exist yet. So it's really just being, just being present, being here and planning for the foreseeable future, which is today. That's all you can plan for, honestly. That's what I was going to talk about on the podcast about me getting fired. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, honestly, like, I, um, at first it was hard. Like, I'm not telling nobody. Like, I'm, I was, like, I was upset, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. to be honest, I accepted it, you know what I mean? So that's why I'm open to talk about it. And it did create a fear around sales jobs or around, like, um, commission jobs. And um, I do think that's something else we can kind of touch on because, like, rejection does cause a little fear. You know what I'm saying? It depends on how you want to attack it or not, you know. So um, I definitely feel like I'm I'm still kind of dealing with it, you know what I mean? Like, never like to me in my head, I'm like, when I'm going to get fired, <laughs> you know? Like, can I get fired tomorrow, you know what I'm saying? Then kind of going back to high game plan so far before, it's like, do I even game plan, you know what I mean? But now nah, I see you have to talking, like, having a balance of, like, just having maybe some goals, like, um, just, again, taking it day by day, but at the same time still being hopeful for the future, you know? Mm-hmm. And really, I feel like a better word for hope can be faith, just having faith mm-hmm. that it works out this way. And if it doesn't work out this way, having faith that it works out mm-hmm. a way, because it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's the thing. We get so attached to, you know, an idea, you know, like I got this idea, like I want to go be a player development coach. I want to go help kids in college that's, you know, that's basically going through what I went through mm-hmm. a few years ago. But I can't get attached to that idea that I want to be a player development coach, and that's the only thing for me because within that I will miss out on so many other opportunities that will come right to my face. But, no, I'll be sitting here stuck waiting for that opportunity to come, which I don't know when it will come. Maybe it's going to come tomorrow. Maybe it's going to come in 10 years. So it's, a, it's a, an amount of openness, an amount of acceptance of what is right now. Like you said, you just accepted it. And um, you just keep moving forward. And don't get a, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to do. And it's so much easier to say than it is to do. But really not getting attached to these different ideas of yourself and of, you know, what you think is for you. What, what is for you ultimately will come to you um, if you're reflective, if you're open, really. Not even if you're reflective. If you're open, your opportunities will come. And I feel like where the fear comes in is like, okay, say that I got super attached to this player development. I want to go help people. I feel like this is, this is my dharma. This is my calling. If I get super attached to that and it doesn't happen um, in the time frame that I would like it to happen, fear builds in because it's like, dang, I thought this, I put everything I had into making this, this opportunity happen and it didn't happen. So now I'm fearful for, okay, maybe I wasn't good enough. Maybe my, my head wasn't in the right space or I wasn't prepared for it. But like now I don't know what to do next because I was so focused on this one avenue of life, this one avenue of being of service to others. And that's where everything I feel like starts to crumble. The tower starts to come down and you're trying to pick up the pieces to see, okay, where do I fit in? Then if I, if this isn't it for me, what is, and I feel like that is, that's just a place you don't want to be. Cause it's, it's, 
it, it hurts when you when you when you're so fearful of what's next. Um, ultimately, you know, the things in front of us are unknown. Life is unknown. You know, like I said, life is synonymous with change. Change is always occurring. So for us to be able to adapt to that, adapt to that, that, you know, that changing, we have to um, start to figure out how to just flow with life in a way that's, you know, bendable and um, adaptable. Like, you feel me far, an example, like a, a river forming to the, you know, the land features, you know, just coming out however it is. We have to figure out how to do that with life. And we have to figure out how to remain open and um, not necessarily, it all comes from attachment. It all comes from attachment because we are all attached to something in some way. Mm -hmm. And when that attachment is strained or, you know, um, broken or whatever, oh man, there's the suffering. There's the fear. And then what? How do you handle, how do you handle your suffering when you're in a fearful state? I went through it. I've been rejected plenty of times after college. Even when I first got to college, I felt like, I, I was like, dang, I, I thought football was for me. And then I got there and I didn't, I played very sparingly my first three years. And I'm like, I did not plan for this. I did not plan to come here and not play. I didn't plan to be 12 hours from home, you feel me, and not be having anything to show for why I came this far. And I felt myself starting to get attached to that. And time after time, you know, you what you do is you try to get yourself around the right people. Um, luckily, you know, I had, you know, JC, TG, I had a whole bunch. I had a community that was really more so worried. They weren't worried about me. They cared for me in more of a loving and compassionate and friendship and brotherhood type of way that just kept me going and always motivated me, always pushed me to reflect and to become better. And I feel like for everybody, you want to figure out where you fit in with a group like that. It doesn't have to be a group. It could be a person. It could be a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be a podcast that's telling you, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going, you know, because that's ultimately what I did. I just kept going. I kept persevering. And ultimately, boom, surprise. Oh, I'm the starting linebacker. Oh, surprise. I'm, I'm the team captain. What? Two years ago, you would not have told me this would ever have happened. You would not have told me that I, I felt like I would never see a down in college. Um, and I've seen many people quit. I've seen many people transfer. But some, for some reason, I stayed. And I feel like that is um, an analogy that can be used for life. You know, just because you, you, get, you feel rejected or you feel, feel fearful for what's coming next. Do you think that kind of comes with it? Let's say professional athletes, for example. Do you think that mindset of attachment almost like comes with it, even if it might not be? The best thing, because, like, again, like having a plan A, no plan B, because you're just so locked in, you know what you want to do, having that strong belief, that faith, you attaching to that. Most of the time, that's how athletes get to that next level. Like, they're not really aware and, like, don't attach themselves. But sometimes, like, that plan A, no plan B is the mindset that gets them there. So, like, you think, is that what it takes to be great? Because I think about Kobe, like, you got to, like, I understand he was, um, he was amazing, right? Mm -hmm. But do you think he detached himself from his mindset, from that star basketball player? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I don't. I don't think you detach yourself from the mindset of being successful. I think you detach yourself from what you think, what you envision it may look like. You know, I don't think you, you know, say you want to be a star, you know, basketball player like Kobe. You feel me? Um, don't think that your path is going to look similar. Or don't think that your path is going to be a straight line. It's going to be jagged. It's going to be crooked. It's going to be, you know, twisting and turning or whatever. And that's fine. So you keep your perseverance, but that doesn't mean you close yourself off to the other opportunities available. And I, how I look at it is 
every opportunity that you are presented that you, that somewhat fits the criteria of what you can see yourself doing is a part of the lesson to when you get that get to that ultimate goal, you know. And that's the thing. I don't even I hate using that word ultimate goal because it really is no ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is right here, right now, where we are. Um, but to that goal that you have in mind, you don't don't get attached to it. Gotta look like this because it don't. Trust me. I thought that my life was gonna be straight shooting straight. You know, I thought I was gonna boom start my two years. I was gonna go to the NFL. I was gonna provide for my family for a few years. I was gonna get out, retire, boom, invest in businesses, do. You know, philanthropic work. That was that was that's how I thought it looked for me. And then when it didn't happen, I'm like, oh, I told my brother I had him. I told my mom I had him. I told Panama City I was going to be back up there, um, you know, dropping them, dropping the bread on them to, you know, promote them and stuff like that. And at first I'm like, dang, I can't do none of that. But then I realized, man, you were 23. You think that. The reason that this happened is because you were so attached to it looking like this and it didn't happen that way. So now you think it's all, you know, gone. But then I sat down, I reflected a little bit and I, I kind of went inward and um, realized I didn't know a lot about myself because I was so tunnel vision and, you know, earmuffs on. Yeah. You know, I didn't let nothing new come into my experience. I was so dead eye focused on it happening this way that um, I was unaware of who I truly was. So after some reflecting and looking in, okay, okay, my name is Raekwon. Okay, I was a football player, but what am I now? You know, we all, for some reason, we have to figure out what we are now and how we're going to go about it. Um, and I realized, okay, you can still do that. You can still be, you can still provide for your family. You can still, you know, catch yourself in philanthropic work. You can still, you know, be of service to others and invest in businesses. It just, it's not going to happen like this. You feel me? And that I feel like that was my biggest lesson for me was to know, like, you know, don't get too far ahead of yourself. Know that everything that you want to happen, it can happen. It's the law of attraction. You are opening yourself up. You are putting that type of energy and vibrations out into the world. And, you know, that, that's going to happen for you. But it's more so do you believe it's going to happen for you? Do you know what's going to happen for you? And doesn't matter how it happens for you. Does it have to happen this certain way? And once you're able to detach from it having to happen this certain way, you can um, <clears throat> start to open yourself up to different opportunities and um, it can happen in this way that you never would have thought of. Because I feel like that's how life is. Things kind of take a turn and you end up experiencing things that you thought you would have never experienced. You feel me? I used to love to read when I was younger. I stopped reading. But now again, I find myself loving to read. How did this happen? I didn't expect that. And I think, too, you know, navigating rejection, you don't necessarily look at it as something on something on your part, as in you're a failure and you can't lift yourself up. I think you look at it as there's some work that I still needs to be done on myself so that I can, you know, this great vision that I have bring that into fruition. Let's say we're talking to a young kid, young teenager, looking up to all these um, superstars, different things like that. Want to be great, seeing Kobe motivational videos, and it's all about work, work, work. Like, what's what's some bullet points y'all think y'all would tell your younger self, some young kid that's kind of you might believe is starting to get attached, or maybe dealing with some reject. Let's start with attached, starting to get attached to this one goal. They want to be successful. They got big dreams. 
how would you like short terms, quick conversation? How would you tell them like, hey, slow down, slow your roll, big dog. <laughs> so how how would you tell them like, hey, you don't want to get attached to that, you don't want to do this, do that? Like how would you kind of break it down to them to a younger kid that might be listening? You know what I mean? So I actually had a client, high school client, loved basketball. You know, I would ask him, I'm like, okay, you I, you 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 raw at basketball. You know, what else do you like? Uh, basketball, shooting around. Okay, okay. I say, all right, you don't got to tell me right now. You know, we're going to come back to it. And I want you to go figure out what other things you like besides basketball. Um, he never really got back to me on it. <laughs> but <laughs> the way the way that I look at this, I don't. I don't think you don't take away from them. You don't demolish their dream or nothing like that. You let them have that, but you nurture something else inside of them. You, um, you open them up, you help them open up to themselves and you let them, you let them keep work, 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 working. I used to find myself at my high school seven days a week, work, 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 working. And I don't think nothing's wrong with that. It's developing something in the, in, in the child that needs to be developed, which is the concept of, hard work, you know, and, you know, however you want to define that term. Um, and it's a, also instilling some conviction into them to, you know, stay dedicated to your process. So for me, what I would tell a young kid, I would say, keep working, keep doing what you, what you're doing. Um, but let's talk, you know, you want to talk to kids because kids are very one, one minded, one, you know, focused, focus is very one pointed. This is all they see for themselves. And that's fine and everything like that. But you want to be that bridge to open them up to different opportunities. You want to be able to teach them things. And at the, ultimately, you can't necessarily save a kid from, you know, attaching themselves to something. You know, I'm sure people tried to save me from attaching myself to being a football player. But I was, nah, they don't understand. You feel me? I'm waving them off. You know, I, I, they don't understand. That's that's fine, okay? Um, and you let them... You let them keep doing what they're doing, but you stay there in their corner. You you feed them the little seeds that you got. You open them up to a different education when they're willing to take it. Because at the same time, you got to remember, people have to be willing. People have to be open to even hear what you have to say. And if they're not open, okay, fine. I'm going to back off. I'm going to love you from right here, and I'm going to love you for what you're doing. And ultimately, whether they make it or not, you know, say that they don't. Then you come in, and you don't say, I told you so. You say, all right. I mean, have you ever thought about what you like to do outside of, you know, what you're doing? And, you know, they say no. Then you kind of present to them just a, a plethora of opportunities out there for, you know, young people and, you know, not even young people, just anybody coming into that field. And the, the main angle for me that I want to that I want to invest back and throw back into kids is just the education of opportunity and of being open, you know, I, I look back at my college career and I think about some of the things I feel like I lacked education and knowledge in, and it wasn't no one's fault by my own, but I look back at, you know, the lack of knowledge in financial literacy. I look back at the lack of knowledge in the relational affairs. I look back at the lack of knowledge and how diverse the career market is. And I sit here and I think, and I reflect on how can we make young kids who are focused and we're not going to shame them and we're not going to Discipline them because they're focused, because that's what you want. You don't want a kid that's unfocused, you know, to an extent. It does, there does need to be some type of unfocus at some point, you know, for that mind to wander and for, them, for it to open up. Um, and I look at that and, like, how can you bring, you know, these, these tools and these vessels of education to them in an entertaining and um, 
just a very interesting way to where, you know, it's fun, it's um, exciting, it's enthralling, it's something that can be digested. We can't go to a kid and start telling him these super complex terms and this is how you file your taxes and stuff like that. They're going to turn around. Oh, no, that's for y'all. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to have someone doing that for me, you know? So you bring you bring things to them. You You bring it to them. You bring people to them that has done it before, that has has a way of interacting with people and um, communicating in a very um, applicable way, you know. That, and I feel like that's a big thing, getting someone who's personable and not necessarily just a, a pro at what they do. Don't bring a pro tax accountant who doesn't really have the interpersonal skills to communicate their knowledge to the, to the next person. It's going to fly right over their head. It's flown over mine plenty of times before when I was in college because we did have plenty of people to go to and talk, but... I wasn't I wasn't able to digest it because they weren't they weren't able to give it to me in a digestible way for me at that time. So I think it's getting more people involved and giving back and you and finding a a fit for these kids that they can learn from this person that's um, more tuned into their type of personality and their type of learning. And, you know, that's a big that's a big thing to ask. But that's also a very easy thing to ask of you know, the generation that's above the next kids coming up, you know, yes, every kid's not going to, not going to be saved. Some kids are going to suffer. Everybody's going to suffer, but you only suffer if you're attached to the, you know, so attached to that suffering. So how do we educate these kids on, don't attach yourself to that. I think the only way to educate these kids on that is to let them kind of feel what it's like to attach yourself to that. And then when they do, you come with a, with, with compassion and love and you let them know you're good, man. Like it. Okay. So it didn't work out. Guess what? It doesn't mean it's over. You're going to, you persevere this far. You keep persevering. But in the meantime, let's, let's keep, let's keep diving deeper. Let's keep diving deeper. What do you know about yourself besides you like to play basketball? And if you can't tell me nothing about that, then that means that kid needs more of your time. You feel me? There's another person or something that he doesn't have because he feels like this is him. This is his identity. And that is dangerous. That's interesting. That's even, I feel like, how adults could deal with it, too. Like, how you came in, you ain't never tell me, like, yo, Steph, like, don't do not do that. Like, Quan's been so pivotal, like, in my growth, but he ain't, like, that's one thing I can always say, and I, it probably took me, like, three scenarios, like, venting to him, and I'm like, damn, he ain't even tell me what to do. Like, the next step, <laughs> yo, I, I just told Quan, him all that. He ain't gonna tell you what to do. Right, and I ain't know that. <laughs> Yo, it, it threw me all the way off because I'm used to people like, all right, now you should do this. But Quan just, he'll walk you right through it and let you. <laughs> Go ahead now. <laughs> that, and that's the thing. I you, I feel like I realize, and every, you got to realize that everyone is a whole human being and they don't need your answer because your answer doesn't mean it's going to be right for them. Mm-hmm. You help people and you guide people to their own answers. You just... You question things and you let them talk it out. And bro, when you when someone talks it out, like JC, when you talk stuff out to me, sometimes like the situation that happened not too long ago, mm-hmm. you answered your own question. You just wanted someone to hear you, someone to listen, you know. And in that, you know, ask you the right questions, and your answer just, oh, well, actually, no, you're right. I did. I, I won that. I did. Yeah. Okay. I improved. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's important. Like, don't, that's the thing. You can't tell a kid what they should do. You can't tell anyone what they should do because mm-hmm. often, off the rip, most people are gonna gonna kind of like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't want to really do what you want me to do. You feel me? They only, they only want that if y'all, you know, 
you a Hall of Famer. If you're a Hall of Famer, you could tell anybody what mm-hmm. to do, you know. <laughs> but it's to realize that everyone's path is a little bit different and to just realize there's no time frame. And when you realize there's no time frame, that open, you realize you have, oh my goodness, so much time to figure this out. So much time to continue to talk and, you know, hit different levels of yourself, you know, and really process the stuff because knowledge passed on, you know, say I told you what to do and you went and did that. You, you feel me? And that's not, that's not your knowledge. That's just, that's my knowledge being transferred to you being transferred to whatever you're doing. And it's not necessarily going to be done in the way that you want it done because you want it done in the particular way that you are. You want it to have to resonate. You want it to leave a resonance of yourself. Um, so I feel like the most that even a person can do or even books can do is just serve as a tool to um, help you go deeper within yourself to provide these answers for you. Because you have, everyone has the answers to what needs to be done in their life. I know it seemed hard, boy, I got some right now. I'm trying to, if I got the answer to this, where is it at? <laughs> but I just know like that one question is going to come and it's going to be like, boom, oh, Satori, I just awoke to everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's to for for a person, you know, being that tool for someone else, it's to um assist them and help them realize like, man, you have the answers. Don't expect them from me. I'm just me. I only have the answers for my life. I don't have the answers for humanity. I'm not here to save the world. I'm not even here to save you. I'm here to assist <laughs> you in saving yourself. <laughs> and kinda of, kinda of going back to um us talking to a younger self or a younger kid, um, sometimes it's not really a, uh the advice we give them. But sometimes just repeatedly telling them certain things, and then when they do make, go make that mistake, they won't do it again because it's like, oh, he did tell me I could have not did that. And sometimes I feel like not having that other ear, you just keep making the same mistakes over mm-hmm. and over. Because I do feel like I felt it all the time. Like I'm something not changing. This is the same. This is the same problem I've had for years. Just different, different context. Like it's the same characteristic behind it that I'm not that I'm lacking. And I feel like having somebody in your ear kind of there as you make that mistake to kind of slow your road before you keep going for years and or months to come. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, no, definitely. Um, what's some um, y'all fear or feared in the past that you do now or that, that you excel at or that you feel like you're good at? Even, you may still even fear it now, but something that you still challenge yourself to do that you kind of see, oh, I can do that. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know what I mean? So... What's up, Steph? You tell me. Well, something that I feared before. Kind of like in the past, something that maybe you do now that you kind of was good at, excelled at, or. Probably, I want to say this podcast. The podcast used to make me super, super nervous. Like, I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do this because I told y'all too. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying, just like, it's like language. Mm-hmm. So, like, in the beginning, I didn't know how to say what I was thinking or, like, dang, I got mad ideas, but I don't even know how to say it. But now I feel like it's definitely helped my language and communication, period. Mm-hmm. But the podcast, I, I was fearful, for sure. I, I I definitely agree to an extent. Like, speaking, definitely. Because, you know, you know I, talk to, I talk to people mostly, like, one-on-one or, like, in a group setting where we're not being recorded and things like that. And I feel like I speak. Way better than I speak, you know, on a public platform. Um, and I feel like I'm still somewhat kind of fearful to, like, put my face out there and to uh, 
like really like like if say I got a call to go on stage in front of 500 people tomorrow. Oof, boy, my drawers might drop, boy, because I'm trembling, <laughs> you know? And I feel like the only way for me to overcome that is to continue to speak on, you know, this platform, whether whether sometimes when I'm talking it don't come out how I actually convey it or want it to come out, I'm going to learn from it. You know, that's how I look. I, I go back and I transcribe this podcast and I look at it as film study. Like, okay, Quan, you said this again. Try, you know. Let's tune this up. Let's fix this. What's a better word you can use for that? How can you make this more concise and whatnot? And um, that's just kind of how I look at it. I would definitely also say the podcast for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so the podcast and then communication as a whole, um, being a personal trainer, and then now just communicating with people face-to-face, dealing with um, like sales and money now. So that's a whole other element I feel like is adding to the play of communication because I feel like when money come along, communication kind of, it turned turn into something else, you know? So uh, definitely for sure. And, it, and honestly, it might have came from, like, like what you were saying, like might have not thought how I how I sounded or not as good as I was or whatever the case may be, but also then being rejected. Not merely rejected, but maybe made fun of or different things like that and overcoming that and being able to do something like what we're doing now. You know? mm-hmm. I feel you because I feel like definitely, like, opinions used to affect how I would speak and whatnot, but... Once you kind of get past that and um, detach from caring what other people think, then you can open yourself up to a whole other realm that you didn't even know existed within yourself. And I feel like that is what this podcast is doing for us. It's like opening us up and we're learning along the way. You know, we're becoming better in a sense every time that we come together and we talk and we, um, you know, just kind of, Sometimes just throw words out there for me, at least. Sometimes you just throw words out there. And you're like, hold on, wait, you know. But I'm learning from it <laughs> for sure, and, you know. And I'm, it's preparing me for something that I, I am unknown to, that I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm just gonna keep trucking, keep moving along. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Perspective. Um, please feel free to reach out to Perspective Podcast Three at gmail.com with any comments, questions, topics you would like to hear or anything of the such. We appreciate you. Till next time. We like that.